Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Well, well, well. Well, good morning, Epiphany Church. It is so good to be gathered with God's people proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ, the praises of Jesus Christ. Uh, let me just give a quick welcome to all of our first time, we used to say first time visitors if you were in house, but those of you who are logged on for the first time, we are so excited that you are here. Uh, it's really two things you should know about our church. I, I think we can make some noise for our, those who logged on the first time. It's two things you should know about our church. Number one, we are so madly in love with Jesus Christ, and, and everything we do really flows from our understanding of the gospel of, of what Jesus Christ has done for us via the cross. And so our songs, we want to make sure that Jesus is proclaimed. Our sermons, we want to make sure that Jesus is proclaimed. Uh, but the second thing you should know about our church is that we are serious about God's word. So we do it every single Sunday. We get into the word of God to see what it is that God would say to us. The scriptures are inspired by God. They are breathed out by God. There, there's not a mistake in scripture, but everything from Genesis 1 all the way to Revelation 22, we submit ourselves to. So let's do it. Uh, if you're in-house, grab your Bibles, your, your devices, your phones. And if you are online, uh, do me a favor, go ahead and grab your whatever contains the word of God for you and get to Psalm 139. Psalm 139 is where we're going to hang out. Hey, as you turn there, this Tuesday is the official election day, and uh, man, over 91 million people have already cast their, their, their ballots, made their, their early voting, and participated in democracy, and you know, I, I said it last week, and, and I meant it, if you look at places like 1 Peter 2, or you look at places like uh, Romans chapter 13, it is very clear that we should submit ourselves to uh, the governing authorities. And even Jesus says, man, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And so there's, there's a part of uh, a responsibility that every one of us has to make sure that we are, are engaging with uh, democracy. And one of the ways we do that is by voting. And so if you are not one of the 91 million people that have already early voted, I hope you are registered. I hope you are prepared, but make sure that you are ready to stand in those lines because there will be lines on Tuesday, but make sure that you are prepared to stand in them. Uh, it is very important that we play our part. Uh, also, man, I hope y'all are digging the new set that we got going on here. Uh, we are trying our best to uh, do a couple of things. Number one, we want to create some more social distancing between our, our worship team, but uh, number two, we, we just like the vibe and the feng shui up in here. It just creates something, and uh, our worship team is sitting in. Our volunteers are, are sitting in, and so the old preachers would say, I got my amen corner. Amen. amen. So I'm, I'm hoping that they would talk back a little, little different than how we normally do, but I'm excited to, uh, to have some people in the room and not just preach to cameras. All right, let's get to it. Psalm 139. Shout out to the worship team. Shout out to, to the band. Uh, shout out to Ed, man. Ed has done such a phenomenal job. Amen. Kind of recreating the space and moving things around. And uh, everyone that helped him, Ayana and Darielle and, and Wendell and Gabe and, and Rob. Rob came off the worship team to, to jump in and, and paint and all that stuff. And so I'm grateful. And so I'm sanding this week. I actually got a video. So if you text me, I'll send you the video of Rob sanding the walls. All right, let's get to it before I get in trouble. Psalm 139. Pick me up in verse 13. 
It says, for you formed my inward parts. Underline that phrase. It's going to become important. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It's probably a familiar first verse. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me. It says, when as yet there was none of them. I want to preach today from the topic entitled, Underneath the Mask. Underneath the Mask. Let's, uh, let's get to the Lord before we dig in. Uh, Father, we need you. I really could stop the the prayer right there uh, because the reality is we need you moment by moment and second by second. And this moment, this this very second is no different. So, Father, would you speak to us today right out of what you've already spoken in your word? Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. May Jesus Christ be glorified. May he be seen. May he be heard. Ultimately, may he be experienced and felt. I'm not not talking about that mystical stuff, but I'm talking about when you get into the hearts of your people and you transform our hearts, Lord, which transforms our conduct and our behavior and our thought process and our worldview. So, Father, may Jesus be the most beautiful thing that we see in this text today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Underneath the mask. Uh, Earlier this week, I had to take a flight to Indianapolis I don't know if you know this, but it's it's really hard to get a a direct flight straight to Indianapolis from New York. And so I checked LaGuardia, I checked uh, JFK, ended up finding a flight out of JFK that uh, had a layover in Atlanta. I hate Atlanta airport. Uh, I love Atlanta. I just, the the airport is just too busy, it's too chaotic, it's too many concourses, and it's just too much going on, too many people. Uh, There's a a quote that says uh, that on the trip to hell, you have to have a layover in Atlanta. It's just, it's just a busy airport. Uh, but I, I spent three and a half hours in Atlanta airport, and uh, I finally got on my flight, got to Indianapolis. As soon as I got into the Uber, uh, I had to go straight to the place where we were having this meeting, and I got to the place. We had a long, long meeting, and right after that, we had dinner in the same place, and then I got to my hotel, and I realized for the first time in a long time, just because I, I haven't been around a lot of people, I literally wore my mask all day long. There were some people in the meeting that I, I never met, and, and I, didn't, I didn't really know who they were, and some people I knew just through email, and I was trying to put the, the face to the name, and I couldn't really do it because they had on their mask. I was trying to understand their facial features. I don't know if you laughing, if you, if you, I don't know what you're doing up under the mask, and it was hard for me to understand the emotion, emotional connection to this person because it was difficult because they had on a mask. Got to the hotel and realized I literally wore my mask all day long. Next day, the same exact thing. The next day, I get up early and I have to go back to this meeting and put my mask on and get back to the meeting and then literally spend all day in the meeting, jump on a flight, go back to Atlanta, spend another two hours in Atlanta, finally get home and it's after 11 o'clock and I finally take off my mask. And I realized that masks have really taken over our life. I don't know about y'all, but I spent a good portion of my week washing my hand, washing my mask. I spent a good portion of my week trying to find my mask. I lose masks all the time, buying new masks, looking for creative masks. Like, I spend a ton of time. And although masks are necessary, despite the 
the political climate that we've put around masks, we, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves hiding behind the mask. If we're, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves seemingly going unnoticed. In fact, I talked to some people that were telling me that they love this season, man. They love that they have to wear masks because it makes them feel like they can go under the radar, like they can go unnoticed. And it is a very dangerous thing. And sometimes if we're not careful, we can wear masks with God and we can wear masks with each other. And just in case you think I'm still talking about cloth mask, I'm no longer talking about that. I'm talking about those there's emotional masks that we put up. I'm talking about those spiritual masks that we put up. And here's the question that's on the table. What's underneath the mask? Who is the person that is underneath the mask? You cannot hide from God. God knows what's underneath the mask. I don't know if you read David's words today in Psalm 139, but he's like, look, God knows you better, not just than anybody else. God knows you better than you know you. God has seen parts of you that nobody else has seen. Shoot, God has seen parts of you that you haven't even seen. Did you read this text with me? He knows my inward parts, my unformed substance. There are things about you that even you don't know about you. And God is like, look, you can't hide nothing from me. I know every part of you. And so today I simply want to help us to take off the mask with God. I want to I expose who we are with God. And I want to expose who we are with his body, and really, I want to help to restore dignity. I want to help to build confidence today. And I think David is going to help us because, you know, one of the things I realized about David's words is you're actually a dope person. Not, not the you that, 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 that try to portray yourself as dope, but the actual you is dope. And you're dope not because anything that you did, but you were dope because of your creator. And when God creates something, he doesn't make a mistake. When God creates something, he sits back and says, man, I killed this. I know exactly what I am doing. So David lays out some words here that I think is important for us to pay attention to. Look at verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. Someone say inward parts. Type in inward parts if you are at home. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. This word inward parts is a very interesting word. It Literally in the Hebrew, which Old Testament was written in Hebrew, literally means kill you. And kill you is, a, is an interesting word. We, it's not familiar to us in the English, but it means the kidneys. Now, this doesn't actually mean the physical kidneys, even though the kidneys in, even in and of themselves is the deepest organ, the most, most inaccessible part of who you are. But in ancient time, they didn't speak of the kidneys uh, as literal, but they spoke about it as figuratively. In other words, the kidneys is the most secret part of who you are. It is where they believed your personality lied and your emotions lied. So in other words, David is not saying that God formed my kidneys, although he did. He's saying that God formed my personality, that God formed my emotions, that God formed the deepest part of who I am. In other words, David says God pulled out a divine enneagram and said, this is who this person will be. And therefore, if God created your personality and therefore, if God created your emotions, you should walk with a little Holy Ghost swag, knowing that you are not a mistake. That He did not mess up when he made you, that he did not look and say, man, I forgot to add something there. No, you, you are created and formed by a 
God of the universe. Genesis 1.26 to say it this way, that the Holy Trinity looked at each other and said, let us make man in our own image. And then chapter two, verse number seven will tell us how he did it. How does he dug it to do it? The Bible says that he digs down into the ground, into the dirt. And after he forms up man, he, the Bible says in verse number seven that he breathes into his nostrils. Do you want to know how intimate that is? When God created you, you, he, you weren't some afterthought. It was intentional. He got his hands dirty. Bible says he dug down into the ground and got his hands dirty and then he did something that he didn't do with any other creation. What did he do? He actually breathed into the nostrils of man. You do not see him do that with a bird. You, you do not see him do that with a tree. He does not do that with a plant. But when it came to creating humans in the likeness and the image of God, he digs in the dirt and he breathes into his nostrils. In other words, you're unique. You, 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 are, you are different. You're different than any other creation. And I will, I'll go on record and say you're different than any other human. You are one of a kind. Ain't nobody else in the world like you. Because God does not mass produce people. He actually spends time with each individual in the womb. He forms you and he knits you together and oftentimes we think that God didn't put intentionality behind us when he created us. We feel like it's like, you know, you ever went into the clothing store and you go into the clothing store and you know, you're looking for a shirt and there's 10 shirts of, of the same, the same type of shirt, same stitch and, and, and you're just looking for your size and it's medium and it's small and it's large and you're just looking for your size and it's the same thing that before it hit the shelf or, or, or the rack, it actually was mass produced somewhere, probably with no intentionality, not so with God. When God created you, there was intentionality, there was purpose, there was design, there was deliberation. God created you and he does so in an intimate way. He digs down in the dirt and he breathes into the nostrils of man. The fact that each person has their own fingerprints is proof that God makes you unique. If you would do me a favor in the chat room, just type in, I'm unique. I'm, I'm different. And it's okay that I'm different. I, I, know, I don't know who needs to hear this, but somebody needs to build up your confidence today because you think that that one part of you that you don't like was a mistake. And God is like, this is my creative genius. That this is how I've wired this person to be. And so therefore you need to start living with, a, with an awareness that God has a perfect plan for you because he perfectly created you. So therefore there is a plan for you here. And here's why you should never be a carbon copy of anybody else. Listen, be inspired. Like, like it's okay to be influenced to some degree. Be motivated by other people, but don't be that person because the best you is you. Let me say that again. The best you is you. And I know you're like, nah, but I just want to be a little bit more charismatic. I want to be a little bit more quick witted. And God is like, but I gave you everything you need to accomplish my mission and to bring me glory. Everything you need is already in you. And so you need to start embracing those areas that you don't like about yourself. Stop trying to fit in. The reason you don't fit in is because God created you different created you unique. And he says, no, nah, that's not the crew I need you hanging with. And the Bible says here that he formed my inward parts. He made me different. Confidence starts with embracing who God made you to be. Let me say that again. 
I know that doesn't feel deep, but just think about this. Confidence starts with embracing who God created you to be. Scientists can do stem cell research all they want to, but they can't recreate a different you. The you that God has created is already good enough. Somebody in the house say, I'm different. Say, say, I'm rare. I'm unique. I'm set apart. I'm, I'm one and only. And the reason I'm one and only is because God custom made me. He didn't make you that's crazy, but he made a custom you that is perfectly made. In fact, that's what I love about the text is that it doesn't just say verse number 13 lets me know that I'm unique, that he formed my inward parts different than he formed anyone else's inward parts. But verse 14 doesn't just scream of the uniqueness of your, of you as a creation, but verse 14 speaks of how perfect God create, created you. Look, look at the text with me. Y'all still rocking with me? I praise you for I am fearfully, y'all reading this, and wonderfully made. Then he almost says the same thing. Wonderful are your works. In other words, David says that you were created perfect. Let me say this, let me say this another way. You're not flawed. You're not a mistake. He, he, didn't, he did not sit in heaven going, oh, my God, I messed up. I gave that person just a little too much personality, and I, didn't, I made them a little too awkward, and their nose is too big. And they, he, did, he does not sit in heaven and look like that. He sits in heaven and be like, nah, B, I killed this. I knew what I was doing when I created this person. So David says, you are fearfully and you are wonderfully made. You're not too tall. You are not too short. Your personality is not too awkward. God has made you perfect. And so therefore, you ought to, in, in, in the culture, shake what your mama gave you. And ultimately, work what God uniquely created you to be. And so you need to get on your mind right now those seemingly imperfections. So those areas that you like, man, I, I just don't feel confident in this area. I want to have somebody today reverse that thinking and just know that you should feel confident because God has created. I know it feels like a seeming imperfection, but in God's eyes, it's a masterpiece. Yeah, God doesn't mess up. He was very intentional. And in, in fact, in, when I said Genesis 1, 26, he says, let us make man in our image. Do, do you realize that if you go to verse 31 of the same exact passage and in verse 31, after he created everything, the Bible says, and God saw the all that he created and sat back and said, behold, it is very good. I love God because only he can look at his work and then affirm his work. And sometimes when we think about God looking at the work and saying, I affirm what I did, it is very good. We think about the beauty of the Grand Canyon and Niagara Falls. But God actually, when he looked at his creation, you were part of that creation. And so he looks at you and says, Dag, I killed it. Behold, it is very good. He affirms the work that he did. In other words, baby, you ain't a mistake. I know you, I know there's, there's at least one part of you, this is everybody, I, I know I can say this confidently, there's at least one part of you that you feel like you wish you didn't have, and that could be a physical feature, that could be a personality trait, there's at least one part of you, everybody in this room, everybody that's piped on would say, I wish that I could, I could change that about myself. In fact, a study was done at a university in California and this study 
It, it, it scanned uh, 100 people, and all of these 100 people, they asked them, is there one thing that you wish that you could change about yourself, and would you believe that 100% of the people said there's at least one area I would change about themselves, their personalities, their, their features, something about them. People said that I'm too tall, that I'm too short, I'm awkward, I'm not smart enough, I wish I was quicker. There, there were so many, I hate that I struggle with this, I'm not quick with it. There were so many things, I wish my skin was smoother, I wish, you know, I was more charismatic. There was all of these things that people were saying that they would change about themselves. And God is like, no, no, no. But you don't need to change anything about yourself. You are perfect. You cannot recreate something that I already created and did it well. It's already, it's already done. And I don't know who it is that right now you are building up your confidence. Even as I'm preaching, I want you to get on that, on your mind, that one area that you would change. Because oftentimes, we think that the public us and the private us, you know we got two different people in us, right? Let, let me, like, come on, like, I need y'all to talk back. We got two different people. I don't care who you are. There's the social media you, and then there's the real you. And oftentimes, the social media us is well-polished. The, the social media us is filled with Snapchats, with Snapchat filters. But the private you, see, that's the Holy Ghost job, is to get two of you to be one. Did you know that part of the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit is to get the public you and the private you to be one person? Because here, here, here it is, God, when he created you, he created you so that you could be the same person all the time. Y'all know we can't live up to our social media. Y'all, I'm going to go deeper. Right now I'm in public, and I mean public as in people in this room, but you that are online, I'm nowhere near as spiritual as I come across in the pulpit. Chris, can you be on? Are you as spiritual as you are? See, we can't live up to the public us, and the Holy Spirit's work is to make sure that we are going back to God's creative order when God created you, you were perfect. It was intentionality behind you. I love the, the verse in, in, in Luke chapter 12, I think it's verse 7, where it says the hairs on your head are numbered. Somebody's reading their Bible. The hairs on your head are numbered. And oftentimes we think that the hairs on your head being numbered means that God knows the number of hairs on your head. That's not necessarily what it means. It means that he constantly knows. That means when a hair grows in, God knew. That means that this morning when you combed your hair or you brushed your hair and that one hair got plucked out, God said, oop, there goes hair number 95,654. God knows everything about you. Because he created you with intentionality, because he created you with precision, he did not mass produce you. And therefore, the, the scripture says, I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. If you would understand that, if you would get that, you would walk in, you would walk in the boardroom with some type of confidence that you don't have now. If you understood that, you would not get in relationships with that person that you know ain't good for you, but you get in it because you don't really know who you are. But if you understood that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And then he goes on to say it again. Wonderful 
are your works. And I pray today that we would understand that the God of the universe, the one that upholds the galaxy right now, the one that causes the winds and the waves, the one that causes the sun to rise and the sun to set is actually intentionally involved in your life right now. That one created you, but he did not create you and then walk away, but he's actually a part of your life. The hairs on our head are numbered. Wonderful are your works. Behold, it is beautiful. Behold, it is very good. Jesus, God often affirms his work. Do you realize that all 23 pairs of chromosomes were intentionally created by God? You have over 30,000 genes that make up who you are. Each one of them was intentional. The family you were born into was intentional. The parents God picked was intentional. The time, the date, every part of who you are was intentional. Earlier this week, I had the opportunity, shout out to Pastor Timmy and I.L., uh, had the opportunity to, to, to sit on Uh, I don't know what they call it in the Nigerian culture, but it was like a naming ceremony where the grandparents got to name the the, the child. And and it was so beautiful and it was so sweet. And and, and I I was looking at uh, this beautiful child, Nathaniel, and I thought to myself, God, you this is Psalm 139. I I know we don't see the future. We don't know what this child will do in the future. But this is Psalm 139. Fearfully, wonderfully made, wonderful are your works. Well, Pastor B, if I'm so wonderful, why do I struggle? If I'm so wonderful, why is it that daily I have to wrestle with my sin? Did God create me with sin? The the beauty of Genesis chapter 1 is, no, he says, behold, everything was good, but here's the problem. As soon as you were born, David says in Psalm 51 that you were born in sin and shaping in iniquity. That does not mean that David's parents was sitting in, in, in the pickup, behind the pickup spot in the, in the truck. That doesn't mean that they got it busy and he was created. That means that even though God created him in the womb perfect, he is born into an imperfect world. And you are born into a world that has flaws and has fractures. And so the reason that you wrestle is because Adam put it on us so bad that everybody born after him now has to struggle with their own sin. But I look forward to the day when I can get back to the womb of of what uh, Psalm 139 says that I am wonderfully made. I look forward to the day that perfection is revealed when I get to heaven. Unfortunately, right now, I might have to struggle. So he says here in verse 14, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. I'm about to land the plane here in verse 15 because what happens is we think that, here's the mask. We think that we can actually hide from God even though God created you, therefore he knows everything about you. And so verse 15 says, my frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, watch this, your eyes saw my unformed substance. Here is why we can't wear a mask with God, because there's no part of you that God doesn't know about. Take the spiritual mask off. Stop trying to hide your dysfunction. God is like, yo, I'm here to restore it. I'm here to bring healing. I'm here to bring restoration to it. And so therefore, you should take that mask off. We look foolish when we try to put a mask on with God. You know what we look like? We look like Adam and Eve when they sinned in Genesis 3. The Bible says the moment they sinned, they went and hid themselves. Can, you, can we agree that that's a little silly? 
Like God can't see behind the tree that he created. They hid themselves and they clothed themselves. And many times when we put on these spiritual masks with God and we're not honest with him and we're not real with him, we look like Adam and Eve because sin makes us temporarily foolish. That's all sin is. Sin is temporary insanity. Would you type that in? Sin is for a moment you lose your mind. And every time you put on a mask, that's exactly what God is like. You fool. I see it. I I know it. In fact, he says, your frame wasn't hidden from me. He knows your unformed substance. And here's what I love about God, that even though he knows my unformed substance and he knows the parts of me that are not so pretty, he still loves me. Okay, I need somebody that knows that, that you just don't, you don't do well all 365 days of the year. A few days you mess up. I need you to be honest. God looks at those days and says, I don't want him to stay there, but I still love him. Amen. I love the song that says, you see the depth of my heart and you still love me the same. Every time the worship team gets to that part, it rocks me. Because I, I know the depth of my heart. I know the secrets. I know the stuff that y'all don't know about me. And here's the reality. I'm putting myself on blast, but you know the secrets that nobody know about you too. And God knows it. And God looks at you and says, I still love them. I feel somebody today coming back to the Lord. I feel somebody removing that spiritual mask. I feel somebody today realizing you were not a mistake. I feel somebody today that is coming out of hiding because the reality is we have on masks with God, but You know what else is true? Candace, I realize that we don't only wear a mask with God, but that we wear a mask with each other. We wear a mask with the body. And the reason we put on mask with the body is because we don't want people to know the real us. We we, we don't want people to to see the private us. We, We don't want people to know who we really are. And really at the core of that is really pride. It's really pride. It's pride for you to say, I don't want nobody to know who I am. Like, like you're actually perfect. You're, you're, you're not perfect. Yeah, he formed you perfect, but you were born in sin and shaping in iniquity. And so therefore, everybody needs that one person that they are 100% real with. We too fake. That's what a mask is, is us being fake. That, and see, the body is supposed to be there with grace, love, and truth. You need a friend to say, you are wrong but God loves you and therefore I still love you. And all of us need that one friend. And so he says here, listen, my frame ain't hidden from you. God God knows. I go on record and say, I I think if God knows, I think that somebody in your life should know. Some of us are too secretive. You know how we know, I know we secretive. You ever wanted somebody to see a picture on your phone (laughs) and you gave them the phone, but you said, don't you swipe. You You stay on a picture that I showed you. Because there is secrets that we have in our life. At some point, you know you're free when you can give somebody your phone. They can just go like this. And just keep swiping and keep swiping. That's when you know that you are really free. We got on mass with each other. Here's the reality. When God created you, the, the ultimate reason why he created all of us is to bring him glory. And here, here's the thing. We do that. Those of us who have named the name of Jesus Christ, we do that by what's called Christ-likeness. That's the the one thing that every single one of us have in common, is that all of us are on a journey to look more like Christ. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 29, it says it this way. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Every day, you should be striving to look more like Christ. And the reality is, some days you'll mess up. Some days you won't get it right. But when God created you and he saved you, he wanted you to look like his son, Jesus Christ. Now, there's a day when we get to heaven where we will look like him. 100%, like completely look like him, but right now we are striving. Who is it that needs to take off a mask? Who who, who is it that needs to be real and honest about their struggles? Who is it that needs to build confidence? Who is it that, this is what I want you to do this week. I feel like the need to always give something practical. Here's what you need to do this week. That one area that you complain about about yourself, whether it's your features or personality, that one area this week, I want you to move from saying, God, why did you create me like this to saying, God, I thank you that you created like me like this. I want my seeming imperfections to bring you glory. I want the things that I've been hiding from people to bring you glory. And that's what God is hoping for with all of us. We need to be more authentic we need, to, we need to be more real. We need to take off the mask. We need to take off the facade. We need to take off the church face and be honest about our issues. Let me pray and invite the worship team back up. Father, I thank you so much that you formed me. I should stop right there, that you created me. And Father, as the maker of who I am, I know that you didn't make a mistake because you are not a God that makes mistakes. I can't name one place in scripture where I saw you say oops. There is no oops in heaven. You make everything well. You do all things well. And we may not understand it. We may not understand why you gave us certain personality traits. But Father, here's what I know. That you did it with intentional purpose and design. And so, Father, my, my one hope today from Psalm 139 is that somebody would walk away and feel more confident. I'm not, I'm not preaching no self-help. Your best life is now. No, I'm just saying God created you now to live on this earth, to bring impact, to bring him glory. And we can do that even with those areas that we don't like about ourselves. So, Father, I pray today that you would begin to do a work right now. Even as we transition into the next song, I know we're at home and it seems it's just a little awkward getting into worship. But Father, I pray that we would lift our hands wherever we are, knowing that you were there transforming us, making us more like your son. Father, I pray for the person that doesn't know Jesus, that person that doesn't know you. Father, would you save them today? They can't get on a journey of Christ likeness until they know who Christ is. Give them an experience today for your glory and for your honor. In Christ's name I pray, amen.